I am so excited to share 20% off my favorite adaptogen blends with you. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The more I researched this, the more I realized the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. I found Organifi and now I love it. Organifi has an amazing little thing called Red Juice that is a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. Cordyceps boosts energy, immunity, and stamina. I drink it during every podcast recording now. And when I'm stressed out and not sleeping well, I take green juice mid-morning. And guys, I finish every day now with either gold or gold chocolate. So this is a mixture of reishi and calming adaptogens and turmeric. It's either, it's kind of like a hot chocolate or like a turmeric warm drink at the end of the night. You just mix it with warm water and it has helped me so much. It's way more effective than the sleepy tea I was drinking. So they're both the same drink, just different flavors, gold or gold chocolate. I love it. I've totally fallen in love with Organifi. All their superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic. They have high quality ingredients. They are free of fillers and they taste really good while also providing a clinical and effective dose of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed. Our code wellfed will get you 20% off, which is a awesome discount. Organifi. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed. Go to that link. Use our code wellfed for 20% off. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Well, welcome, Nicholas, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we are going to dive deep into EMFs today. First, I want to know, do you carry your cell phone in your pocket (laughs) and why or why not? Um, well, I, uh, when I carry it in, in my pocket, it's always on airplane mode. Uh, so it means that the wireless function is off. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I also ensure, so that's the, I guess, airplane mode n- normally tackles all three wireless antennas, but not all the time. So it becomes more and more complicated as this technology, uh, becomes so ubiquitous and our phones become stronger and stronger when it comes to the, the electromagnetic fields, the, the emit. So anyhow, I, I tried to, Turn off the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and cellular antennas. So there's like three different antennas you want to turn off when you carry your your phone around. And the main reason is really for me was the studies around uh, uh, man fertility, sperm quality and motility, and all markers of uh, healthy sperm are uh, reduced, uh, and that's been established since. I guess most more than ten years. Some researchers have said men should not carry a phone in their pocket, uh, and unfortunately, you know, I learned that 
a few years ago, uh, around mm-hmm. 2015 and 16, I first learned that. So it's uh, even to this day, I meet the average man on the street and uh, no one knows this information. So I kind of do things a bit differently. But when I'm at home, I don't have my phone in my pocket, even on airplane mode, it's just sitting well, somewhere, most of the time I'm looking for it because I don't use it much. I try to, you know, to walk my talk. But yeah. if I am to use it or I'm expecting a call or anything like that, I would place it as at a certain distance in front of me on a desk and maybe uh, two to three feet from me. And the main reason I'm doing this is just to, to minimize uh, its uh, health impacts. I am moving my cell phone further away from me right at this moment. Um, okay, so you've, you mentioned EMFs. What exactly yes. are... EMFs. Yes, EMF stands for electromagnetic fields. It's uh, it's entire spectrum of frequencies that uh, that are part of this life, from zero hertz, that's the number of cycles per second, to up to nuclear radiation. All of this is considered EMF, if you will. But the the problem is not that. That it's uh, an electromagnetic field per se, because we do need EMFs to thrive. We have natural EMFs of this Earth in the form of the natural Earth magnetic field, and without it, where our health uh, isn't doing so great. There are studies showing that if you disconnect yourself from the Earth's magnetic field, you lose your sense of time, you mm. become depressed, you become anxious. And there are uh, NASA study and other astronaut studies on that, where they wanted to to look at why. Why are astronauts struggling so much when they go uh, in outer space? And part of it is that they're disconnected from the natural EMFs of this planet. Another type of natural EMFs that everyone is accustomed to, especially if you're, uh, let's say, more connected to holistic health or ancestral living, is the sun. The sun is emitting vi- uh, visible and also invisible types of EMFs and an entire spectrum of it. And we know that this is so important for our health. So it's, there's no denying that the natural EMFs are, uh, we've we've really evolved with these EMFs and we need them badly. In fact, most of the modern diseases are linked to our lack of this natural EMFs. But there's also now modern diseases are also linked to uh, the addition of the artificial EMFs, the junk food of EMFs that we are exposing ourselves to in the form of cellular communications. Uh, So you might have cell phones or tablets or laptops and uh, yet there's the Wi-Fi signal, there's a cellular network signal, that's another thing connecting your phone to a tower. There's the Bluetooth gizmos everywhere So all of these emit frequencies that uh, are not natural in their form, in their pulsation, in their intensity compared to what our ancestors used to be exposed to. So that's one type. I would also include in there excessive blue light or artificial light sources. If you stare at a screen right before bed, we know that this decreases your sleep quality. And this is a type of EMF pollution because it, it is in the visible spectrum. And also some of it is invisible also in the UV spectrum um, when it comes to certain artificial light sources. But we know that it can dramatically impact our health, namely uh, by uh, reducing or hindering our sleep. Mm. You know, I was just watching. I've been kind of going through Downton Abbey. It's a TV show. And, you know, it's it's really based in this time where they were just starting to get electricity And one of the characters made a comment uh, just last night when I was watching, and I found it so interesting. 
And they were like, oh, yeah, are you going to get, you know, electricity in your home? And she was like, oh, why Why would I? Like, I, I got it and I, I, I wouldn't be able to, if I got it, I wouldn't be able to sleep. You know, every time <laughs> I go somewhere and they have it, I can't sleep, which I'm like, wow, yeah. look at that. Like, that was so intuitive. <laughs> like, the more light I'm exposed to, just even on a basic level, like, the poorer my sleep is. So, and now we've kind of completely lost touch with how things are actually impacting us and we find it sort of normal to feel terrible, to have horrible sleep, to feel sort of jittery or anxious, to have these headaches. Like that's just part of, I feel like some of us have just kind of learned to live with that. So yeah. um, I want to get into the symptoms in a second, but you mentioned different types of EMFs. What are the different types, specifically the ones that like we're exposed to? Because I feel like because there are so many different, like, you're saying the sun emits EMFs and, you know, yeah. what the, the earth does, but what are those different types so we can have an understanding of like what we're supposed to be really considering when we're talking about it? Yeah, in the scope of my work, when I talk about artificial EMFs, they are classified, especially by the building biology movement, the movement that started after World War II in Germany and uh, then developed throughout Europe and now is a worldwide movement when it comes to healthy buildings. And they define EMFs in different category. There's the wireless radiation, if you will. Also, we could call it radio frequency radiation. And that's a class 2B carcinogen uh, since 2011. So we know that it can impact cancer risks, namely brain cancer or cancers of the head region. If you use it, uh, if you use a phone on the ear, for example. So that's been established and that's still, I guess, controversial and the science is getting clearer and clearer by the day, but that's the wireless. So anything, any gizmo that you carry around that is connected wirelessly to an antenna, to a router, uh, falls in that category. So your phone, tablets, uh, Bluetooth, earbuds or Bluetooth, alarm clocks, and there's plenty of that. The average household as uh, in the U.S., if I recall correctly, it's more than 10 or more than, might be more than 20, but uh, <laughs> devices that it. are wireless. Uh, I, I know that my my colleague, Brian Hoyer, is uh, he's not a building biologist, but in, he's in the category of EMF mitigation specialists that do surveys in people's homes. And he told me that certain of his clients have closer to 100 different devices in their homes mm. because they have, uh, the blue, like every light bulb might be Bluetooth. So right there, you might add 40 different devices, right? Right? So you have uh, the Bluetooth speakers and the, these smart homes are really convenient, but the way they're done via wireless, it really fills up your, your home with this type of radiation, unfortunately. And that's just, I guess, a, a big misunderstanding for the average person that um, that really thinks there's no risks involved or if they knew that there were some risks, maybe they would opt for wired versions mm -hmm. of these sensors and speakers and everything is just they they go for convenience and they they kind of get uh they get caught in in the hype of everything wireless nowadays uh, you also have other types uh you have artificial light that is also tackled in in i would say partially by building biology and then some emf mitigation specialists also look at light sources uh, including light bulbs and including 
what you're going to use during the day, what you're going to use during the night, because at night it needs to be more on the amber or red side of things, whereas during the day you can get away with uh, brighter light sources, just like the sun. If, if you're exposed to a very bright light uh, during the day, it's not that much of a deal. In fact, it might be beneficial to have plenty of lighting in, in a home that uh, doesn't have natural uh, sunshine coming in, for example. Uh, so there's also magnetic fields, and normally magnetic fields are in the very low range of frequencies uh, in the 50 or 60 hertz range. Uh, and basically, that's uh, usually a big, imagine a big bubble that is emitted near a source of electricity. Uh, so for example, one problem that people might face is uh, you have poor sleep and then you hire a building biologist and you realize that, that the magnetic fields are high around your pillow region in your, in your bedroom. And sometimes it might be caused because on the other side of that wall, maybe the neighbor has an AC on or, uh, or the back of a fridge, for example, a big motor. And this creates a big a magnetic field around that area. And sometimes you have to move the bed around or uh, just arrange with something with the neighbor. But if you sleep on a magnetic field on a constant basis, we know this is uh, also a carcinogen since uh, 2002 and 2003 uh, at uh, WHO. And especially because of the increase in childhood leukemia, if you live in a home where magnetic fields are elevated and the main problem there wasn't that much uh, the back of a fridge, but it was the entire home was in that magnetic field bubble because these people were living very, very close to these high voltage power lines. Uh, mm. Most of that controversy happened in Quebec where I live. I live in Montreal, but in the, uh, in the province of Quebec, uh, Hydro-Quebec, which is the utility company from a uh, governmental level, uh, was trying to argue that the magnetic fields did nothing because it was very inconvenient convenient to pay people to move away their homes because they were kind of trying to install these high voltage power lines on the countryside. Um, so there's there was a big controversy and also in the scope of people uh, who are exposed to magnetic fields uh, as uh, when they're doing their job, whereas the, if they're working in, uh, in a factory or they're working with certain machines, they might be exposed to the, these magnetic fields. And now we know that it's one of the risk factors for cancer if you have a job like this. So there are uh, stricter regulations and many, uh, many different uh, types of jobs nowadays when it comes to magnetic field exposure. And it's still, it's still a controversial topic, but it, I think it's, it's evolving in the right direction. Another type that building biologists look at is electric fields. And electric fields is something that you can measure. One of the best ways to measure it would be the, your body voltage. So how many volts uh, uh, run on your body as you're sleeping at night would be a test. And many people don't think there's electricity running on their body because they don't feel it. This is below the the feeling or uh, the, yeah, the, the threshold at which you feel electricity, which is way higher than the average person is exposed to at night. But some people you would be, uh, you'd be, you would be, be surprised that Sometimes they have three volts, four volts running on their body, and it's the equivalent of a very small battery, right? But does it impact you? 
that's the question. And if we look at the studies, um, it, the answer is probably, likely. And it, it, building biologists see it every day that if you reduce body voltage, you get better sleep. And that's not that surprising. If you go, uh, if you go back a hundred years, no one was exposed to that electricity at night. Mm -hmm. So your body, what happens is is likely that your body does not get in that parasympathetic mode. Your nervous system does not switch to that relaxation mode as much as it could if you are exposed to zero electric fields. So that there's there's other types also of EMFs that it it does get quite uh, challenging to remember them all and things like that. But that's that's the gist of it: electricity, magnetic fields, the wireless, and artificial light. You <laughs> so many things. You you mentioned electricity. Is how does dirty electricity relate? Yeah. And then you were talking about electric volts going through your body. How does it actually like? Where is it coming from? Is that the 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 just the Wi-Fi and stuff like that, or what's the main source of that electricity yeah. at night? The the main source of electricity is simply the electrical wires in your home. And most people don't know that. I know I was extremely surprised when I started studying that stuff. In my mind, how I view the electricity is there's electricity in the wires, it stays in the wires, right? That's kind of how I perceived it. In reality, most of the electricity stays in the wire or else everyone would get electrical shocks, but there's an electric field. Imagine the electricity kind of pulsating from the walls six to eight feet from every wall if you have normal wiring, which is uh, just plastic wiring called Romex. So if you have just plastic wiring, it's, a, it's, it's normal that everyone is exposed to electric fields because at the moment in the, in the way our homes are built, we're not required to have shielded wires. Uh, if you ever saw these shielded wires, they look like uh, metal tubes in most commercial buildings. If you go to uh, coffee shops, hotels, or uh, maybe in big in, in in gyms, you would see the wiring on the walls because it's kind of industrial looking. These things are shielded, so the electricity stays in the wire in the metal tube. But in most homes, this is not the case. So this is why we're exposed to electricity. And in the building biology movement, they consider that uh, this should be minimized or, uh, if possible, eliminated. And that's tricky because <laughs> it means in some some situations you might you might use uh, metal uh, metal clad uh, wiring, for example, in, in bedrooms or change your wiring. That's quite ex expensive. So there are all other techniques, including grind grounding the walls or using uh, special types of paint that can be grounded to minimize the amount of electricity we're exposed to. And your second question was about dirty electricity. Dirty electricity is, a, let's say, a popular term to uh, to really mean the high frequency voltage transients and what this means in no normal language is that uh that that uh, electric field normally should um oscillate at 60 hertz 60 cycles per second that's the normal frequency of household electricity in north america let's say and in europe uh, other parts of the world might be 50 hertz but anyhow, that's not the reality. The electricity does not just stay at 60 hertz because of, 
cheap electronics and the way our electrical machines are built, a lot of machines dump back frequencies on the line. So instead of having a smooth wave at 60 hertz, which which is problematic in and itself, you have spikes in the very high frequencies, including uh, including in the gigahertz range, so in the billions of hertz. So you have all sorts of other frequencies riding on those wires in your home, and this is the electricity. And what a lot of uh, doctors who are aware of this are reporting is that dirty electricity is very uh, agitating for the nervous system. So you have people with uh, MS or um, or neurological diseases or who uh, just have a hard time with their motricity that seem to be aggravated by dirty electricity. If they filter it out, there are special filters you can install. There are different things you can do to minimize that. It seems like people are able to better calm down and uh, reclaim the control of their nervous system. Uh, in children, we also see increase of what looks like symptoms of ADD, ADHD in children if they are exposed to high levels of uh, dirty electricity. So it's a it's an agitating force and something that makes you, I guess, for some people anxious or for some people just, uh, just I don't know, hyp- hyperactive in a sense. My favorite blue light glasses company, Blue Blocks, is now called Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. From blue light glasses to EMF management and circadian-friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. My favorite products from Bond Charge are their blue light blocking glasses, which are are orange and block out all of the blue light that is known to disrupt circadian rhythms. I wear these at night and the computer glasses, which greatly reduce eye strain and headaches. And for me, dry eyes when I'm looking at the computer. I've struggled with it all. And while I wasn't sure it was worth the investment, I am living proof that reducing blue light can positively impact your sleep, anxiety, and headaches. We also now use the red and yellow light bulbs in our bedroom and our kids' rooms at night to reduce stimulation and reduce blue light. And man, does it work? Bond Charge also has other products like EMF and 5G protection products. I use the laptop mat every day, no matter where I am. And they have 100% blackout sleep masks as well, all backed by science. Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time and they have easy returns and exchanges. Go to bondcharge.com and use coupon code WELLFED for 15% off. Again, that's bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com and use the coupon code WELLFED for 15% off. Wow. So are you like, or should we be unplugging instead of turning off our lamps, for example, in our bedroom or when we're done with the toaster, should we be <laughs> unplugging it from the wall as opposed to just leaving it in? Uh, that's especially in the bedroom. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother about the toaster that much. Okay. And that's, I'm, I know in my book, I did talk about different things in the kitchen and some of it, I, I would write a different book nowadays after six more years of research, but, uh, I wouldn't worry as much at, with the exposures where you're getting very little 
time of exposure. For example, the toaster, well, I don't know what your favorite setting is on your toaster, might be two minutes or four, but it's a small amount of time compared to eight hours of sleep that you should be getting. Mm -hmm. So focusing on those rooms in your home or at work where you spend a lot of your living uh, hours is very, very important. You focus on that first and then you worry about the toaster later. And most people shouldn't worry about the toaster. So you do unplug that lamp by your nightstand. And the reason you do that is that uh, the the cord of the lamp will is always electrified. That's why when you turn off, uh, you turn on the lamp at the button or the little uh, knob, that's why it turns on immediately. The electricity runs in the wire and the wire itself will em emanate these electric fields. So it is better to unplug lamps or unplug alarm clocks. Normally, I recommend battery-powered alarm clocks. So just use your phone as an alarm clock. Ensure it's on airplane mode and set it uh, a little bit further away from your pillow and, and you're fine. You can still use your your phone's uh, many offline functions, including the alarm clock, which I do uh, on, on, on most nights. And when I go to hotel rooms, normally I don't use their alarm clocks. That is usually Bluetooth on top of that. So you have multiple <laughs> problems all in one. An alarm clock might emit a magnetic field around it, these electrical fields, and then Bluetooth. So you have a triple whammy right next to your head. So normally I take that thing, unplug it, uh, and if somehow um, I detect, I normally I travel with an EMF meter, if somehow it keeps emitting something, which might happen, you would be surprised how many machines keep emitting radiation these days just because they're poorly built. I would just set it in the bathroom, to be honest. Mm. On certain videos, people kind of laugh because I have the the phone, like the the classic phone on in the hotel rooms oh, that some, uh, most of the time they're wireless phones. So I set it in the bathroom and I just remove everything and I put everything back in to not have trouble with, <laughs> with, with <laughs> I don't know, like just have an overcharge for, for, I don't know, they would consider that nonsense. Like, I don't know what mm -hmm. this guy is doing. He's moving everything in the room. But normally that's what I advise people just remove everything by the by the nightstand and ensure that within the arm's length of your pillow you don't have anything electronic or um, or that these things are turned off or in airplane mode and not emitting that radiation uh, all night mm. Yeah, I do the same in, in hotels, and I actually unplug the phone for different reasons because so many times it will randomly ring, and if I'm sleeping, <laughs> yeah. I'm not interested, and I also... So annoying. Yeah, yeah and then they, they, you know, so many of those things have lights that they emit as well, so I mm -hmm. well, first thing that I do is unplug exactly. everything and tuck it under the bed, but now I'm going to put it in the bathroom, um, so that's a great idea. So what, talking about more about what, what we're exposed to in the home, what are the most common sources of EMFs? Yeah, the most common sources, I would say in the bedroom, it would be everything we talked about. Uh, most people would have one to two phones, maybe three. I don't know. You have one for the job. You have, mm -hmm. and then you maybe you plug them at night near your bed stand because uh, this is where you have your your uh, iPhone charger. So most people would have at least a phone, if not two, if not three, an alarm clock. They would have uh, sometimes they have a laptop in their bedroom, and maybe you keep it open, downloading stuff. There 
during the night. That's a very bad practice. So all the electronics I would turn off or ensure they're on airplane mode or completely out of the room is better. If you create distance between uh, those wireless uh, machines and your body, you will reduce your exposure tremendously. So I would start there. And uh, of course, we can talk about the artificial light sources in the in the bedroom as well. If you have anything plugged in that emits these annoying blue light, green, even the very bright red. I mean, yeah, it's red, but just turn off everything. If you have a pitch black room, you will sleep better. And that's a more natural uh, sleeping environment to sleep in. So just ensure that everything is turned off. And uh, if you need use electrical tape over those annoying LEDs, if you have a TV in your room and it keeps that little LED says, I'm a TV and I'm here. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. very annoying that it's always, always on. And usually I bring electrical tape when I go to hotel rooms and there's a lot of these LEDs on the, uh, I don't know if they still have VHS, I guess, but some of them do the very cheap hotels, I guess. But any, any electronic, you just mask these, these lights. Uh, so that's number one. And that's really your bedroom. If you focus on the bedroom and forget everything else in this conversation, I would consider your more, more than 50% of the way there when it comes to clean, cleaning up your home. And that's really because we seem to be more affected by EMFs of all types at night rather than during the day. This includes the visible kinds of EMFs, like the artificial light, and that's true for artificial light. If you're, you have bright, bright white light during the night, you would be more affected than during the day. And the same seems to be true for cell phone radiation and other sources like that. So really focus on your bedroom first. And this includes also your Wi-Fi router. So wherever it is in your home, sometimes it's very close to the bedroom. I've, uh, I have examples of um, people who follow my work that have disconnected their Wi-Fi or moved it away because it was under the bed. Uh, I found a Wi-Fi router under every bed in a high-end hotel in Austin, Texas. Uh, I mean, not not to bash on, on that hotel chain. I don't even recall the name of that chain, but these were very expensive rooms that I didn't pay for it. It was someone invited me on a podcast and I was excited. Wow, it's a fancy room with Art Deco looking and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, maybe a little fancy chocolate when you enter the room and oh my God, I'm excited. And then I took my EMF meter and started detecting something at the pillow level. And I was very, <laughs> in the video, I really, in real time, I was discovering the, the horror and, and I was in disbelief at first. I was kind of laughing about it. No, 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 that's impossible. They have a source under the bed. And yes, uh, I removed the king size bed that probably weighed uh, 150 pounds, to be honest. It was quite difficult to get it, uh, get it off. And yes, it, it was there plugged into the wall, always emitting about a foot from your head oh uh, at night, uh, all, all night, 24-7. Uh, and when I disconnected it, it went to zero. So, or I mean, not zero because you're in Austin, Texas. There's quite a few cell phone towers, but the most intense source would be the one closest to your body. Mm -hmm. So even if your Wi-Fi router is not under the bed or under your pillow or whatever, if it's in, in another room, it, the the fact that your Wi-Fi is detectable throughout your home, which is normally what you're trying to achieve if you want good Wi-Fi connectivity, means that you're filling your home with electropollution. That's what Wi-Fi is. It's it's if the signal is detectable and you can 
comfortably go on on your Wi-Fi router uh, in every room. It means that you're filling your home with that radiation. So you should at least turn it off when not in use and especially at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I recommend to go further than that is to do like like I did several years ago when uh, my wife was pregnant, uh, f- almost five years ago now, when we turned off Wi-Fi indefinitely. We don't have Wi-Fi and uh, we can open it back up. It's just you go in the router and disable the Wi-Fi antenna. Mainly it keeps, uh, it's still a router, it's just not, the, the Wi-Fi function per se is off. And now we run wires, uh, the Ethernet cables wires from that router to our two computers. And we also have a plug in the living room where we can use our phones on that wire, believe it or not. It's still possible to do that with uh, nearly every phone model I found. And you you do need uh, a converter that, that is compatible with your phone, uh, such as a, a, a lightning to ethernet uh, converter for an iPhone or an iPad and the equivalent USB-C or micro USB for the Samsungs and the Google Pixels and whatnot. But it is possible to go without Wi-Fi. But I know it's a bit of an extreme step for a lot of people. So normally what I tell them is, well, just get started and and bring this idea to the family that uh, we're going to do an experiment and for a week or maybe two weeks, we're going to turn off Wi-Fi at night. And most people are surprised that they can objectively, uh, if they track their sleep with a neural ring or something like that, or just just out of their own subjective experience, they, they can tell a difference in their sleep, even just turning off their own Wi-Fi. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, if you don't turn off, uh, if you turn off your own Wi-Fi, it doesn't turn off the neighbors. And that's often what people tell me a little bit in um, discouragement. They, t- they tell me, well, you know, I have... Uh, 150 neighbors right next to me if I'm in a downtown area. And that that's the case for me in Montreal. But the reality is your Wi-Fi router is often the one that is the closest to your body. So it does matter if you turn off your own sources, even though your neighbors might not participate in that bizarre thing that Nick <laughs> is recommending today, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, if you want to go even further, you may want to educate your neighbors. Depends on uh, if you know their names <laughs> to get started Seriously. with. I know these days we're, we're a little bit disconnected <laughs> for the neighbors. But if if that's part of your, your uh, activism after Effort, you might want to introduce them to this podcast and say, well, we could we could do something great for the neighborhood and just uh, save on electricity bill. Well, mm-hmm. that's 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 one thing. Just turn off those mm-hmm. machines at night and then everyone will be sleeping a little bit better. So it's uh, just a common effort to minimize radiation. So I would say these are the main sources that you need to tackle inside your home. And there are a lot of other sources, but mainly that. And I would say if you're outside the home, just ensure that if you're carrying your phone around, you don't keep it in your pocket, in your bra. I see, uh, especially men in the shirt pocket right next to the heart. Very bad practice to have a phone that is connected to the internet and emitting so close to your body because we know that this is related in, in the scientific literature with uh, tumors and there are indications of thyroid tumors, of of course, 
tumors of the head are the most frequent, but there's big concerns over what is it, what is it doing to our risks of ovarian cancer or testicular cancer or colon cancer if you keep it in your pocket and it's near outer organs rather than your head. So uh, you really pick where you want the damage to, to occur, it looks, or where you want the most risks. And if possible, I want you to have zero risk. So put it on airplane mode or carry it in a bag. There are different solutions out there to carry it in e EMF shielded bags and whatnot. But even if it's in, in your hand, uh, I haven't heard of hand cancer. So it's not ideal, but it, it would be better in your hand rather than in your pocket right next to important organs in, in my mind. It's interesting because now I'm thinking about how like this next generation coming up has really grown up around cell phones and they're constantly yeah. using them. Like I didn't grow up around using cell phones like cell phones are used today, which is you sit there and use it as a computer and you do your work and you're on TikTok and most kids are coming mm -hmm. off the bus looking at their phone. You know, it's like always with them, always on them. They're always on it and so close to their body. So obviously we want the phones to work. Um, yep. And I'm even kind of looking at, I always put my phone, frequently I put my phone in airplane mode whenever I'm not using it, but my kid's at the playground right now with a babysitter, so I have that on. But would it be beneficial to leave, if I leave the, because, you know, I see the three antennas that you're talking about. We have Wi-Fi, we have the Bluetooth, and then we yep. have, you know, 4G or 5G. At night, should we be turning all three of those off and or like is it better for our phone to be only connected to the wi-fi or only connected to let's say 5g or is it is the difference really nominal <laughs> um yeah yeah that's a good question i would say you just use the antennas that you need. Okay. Uh, if you're, let's say, if you expect a call or let's say a situation where maybe um, I don't, I don't know. Let's say an example from my last weekend. My my kid uh, Elliot is four and he was at his grandparents' place. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say we expect a call and we don't have a corded landline at home. I could turn uh, on my phone, but I would keep it as far away from my pillow as possible with the ringer at maximum strength so that way I, I will still hear it if there's some sort of emergency in the middle of the night but it's not impacting my sleep as much or it could be in another room or maybe in the corridor next to the bedroom plugged in into the wall outlet and then you you will still hear it loud and clear if it's at the maximum power of uh, the ring or maximum sound so I would do that and if you uh, if you're walking around the city and you don't need that cellular antenna uh, keep it on airplane mode, but you can open just the Wi-Fi or just the Bluetooth if you need to connect to something Bluetooth. But keep the antennas that uh, you do not need, keep them turned off. So it's really just best practice to learn how these antennas behave and what what do you need to open at uh, any any time? Uh, when I I need to find my way around a new city, normally I wouldn't even bother using the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I'm not connecting to anything Wi-Fi or Bluetooth really. So I would open the cellular network if it's 4G or 5G or whatever. And these days, most phones would connect to a new 5G network, and uh, we can talk about that. Uh, in yes. a few minutes, I guess everyone is asking about 5G these days, <laughs> but you would just use the cellar antenna and not open the rest. And you, you, would, you would do good to turn off the rest because if the Wi-Fi is open, it keeps looking for Wi-Fi and that's a pulsation. That's another 
offense that you're doing to your body, another source of stress mm. that, that you're adding, but really for no reason because you have no intention to use it. So all the useless sources need to be eliminated first because they don't even serve a purpose. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it. And I never use Bluetooth on my phone, but it's on all the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hitting me. I'm like, why do I even have that on? Because, <laughs> you know, I used to use the AirPods when I first had my um, my my second kid. And I would wear them a lot when I was breastfeeding and stuff. But then I no started noticing I was getting way more headaches and weird, like just the weird headaches. I've never gotten headaches in my life, mm, but the weird yep. aura ones. And so it was starting to freak me out a little bit. And um, I immediately was like, I think I Googled it or I saw somebody, my chiropractor had posted something about the the actual radiation that AirPods put out, which we can talk more about in a second. And I immediately started using my wired, um, you know, air, um, earphones again. And so like, I really don't use that Bluetooth. Um, and you know, this is obviously a very controversial thing. Policymakers and scientists, they don't agree on whether EMFs are dangerous or not. Obviously, there's money involved. And when there's money involved, there's always some sort of disagreement. Um, so can you maybe share a little bit about what we do know when it comes to the science of EMFs and just like how they actually impact the human body? Like, what do we know at this point? Sure. Uh, it, it is indeed controversial. It depends on really who you ask. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of industry funded science, even government uh, funded science that shows no effect. There's a lot of studies uh, that show effects. Uh, and the strongest line of evidence has always been cancer. And I guess it's just because there's a lot of funding in cancer research. Uh, not so much for cell phones and cancer. There's barely any funding because who wants to study the bad effects of technology, certainly not the telecom. So they're, they've invested a little bit throughout the years, but it, it's mostly nowadays, it's mostly community founded, fun, uh, funded. And most scientists that are studying the topic are not even funded by universities anymore. And the, the most of them have seen their funding run dry. So it's not a popular topic. It is a topic that most scientists don't even want to touch because it is, uh, it is almost um, as demonized as certain topics nowadays, I mean, around the pandemic, there's many topics that have become uh, demonized in, in scientific research, but EMFs has been like that for, for decades, really. Uh, what we know is uh, the most mainstream area is brain cancer and cell phone use. Uh, and mm. in 2011, like I said, a little bit before, uh, IARC, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, that's a branch of the World Health Organization, WHO, uh, convened the meeting 2011 and basically the committee that was form of scientists and um, also people from the industry determined looking at the data that this is a class 2B carcinogen. This is a possible carcinogen. This is the lowest classification when it comes to carcinogenicity, uh, but still it's something. And in, the, in that category, you find other things that are very concerning and you find other things that aren't that concerning at all. So some people disregard that classification and say, oh no, that's, that's not serious. Okay, that's fine. But when I started looking at the data, uh, scientists in 
2018 looked at the new studies that came out since 2011 in, let's say, seven years after that classification of class 2B. And uh, several of them say this should be reclassified based on the new data alone as a class 2A, which is a probable carcinogen, or a class 1, definite carcinogen. And if it's a definite carcinogen, well, it's very inconvenient for everyone that has a cell phone listening to this conversation because it means your cell phone is in the same category as cigarette smoke or mm. asbestos. <laughs> uh, and, and, and are we getting there? Well, the science shows that, yes, we are going towards a classification of class one. I don't know how many decades it will take, but at the moment, the WHO IARC has uh, already said that radio frequency radiation, so that's your cell phone and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, should be looked at uh, for possible reclassification. And I think it will take several years. I don't think there's going to be a, a decision or committee that will meet until 2026. And even then, industry pressure is uh, really strong not to look at that, right? Obviously, because it's going to hurt the bottom line. If everyone knows their phone is a class one carcinogen, most of them will use it in, uh, let's say, will use it, use it more sparingly, maybe they mm -hmm. will turn it off more often. And that means lost revenue for social media, lost revenue for for everyone that is related to cell phone usage, all the industries. So it, um, it means that they are making money. The more you use your phone, the more money they're making uh, in some sense. And uh, the app makers and everyone is uh, doesn't want that to happen. Uh, so it's very inconvenient. And most users don't want that to happen because they're addicted to their phone. So they mm -hmm. they have this sense of uh, almost uh, a lot of people are in denial in many fields, including a lot of people in the tech space. I see a lot of denial going on where they say, oh, no, no, no. There's uh, some people tell me there's there's zero studies talking about the dangers of EMFs, and uh, when I press them a little bit further, clearly the well they say there are zero studies because they have looked at zero studies. Uh, so so they they did zero right. research. Right. Uh, so that's very inconvenient. I, I that's very convenient for them to say that, but it's really what what they want to be true is these things are perfectly safe, but the yeah the the reality is otherwise so the second line of research that is very conclusive is around male fertility and the fact that having a phone in the pocket will reduce your fertility as a man. How much it reduces fertility is up to debate, but uh, researchers are already have been saying for more than 10 years, including researchers at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, and that's very mainstream. It's not, not nothing fringe here, but the main researchers there around male fertility said more than 10 years ago in their brochures to patients from the Cleveland Clinic, don't put a phone in, their pocket, in, in your pocket if you want to have good fertility. Of course, the big problem I see is no one knows that, <laughs> right? So it didn't make it to the public awareness and to public policy where, uh, I don't know, we could we could have done many things in the last 10 years, including uh, forcing Apple and Samsung and Google and all the phone manufacturers to automatically turn off the antennas when it detects that it's close to someone's body but it would mean a complete change in how we use phones uh, because it would, for example, not be usable on the head anymore or things like that. But we can do that. 
we we can completely change the technology in a way that is going to make it way 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 safer without necessarily eliminating phones altogether but for sure, and it, we're we're not even there yet. It's more in the we're we're in that space where there's uh, mounting evidence, and in the meantime, there's mounting radiation, which is a very bizarre state of affairs at the moment. And that's the main lines of evidence we have. There's also lines of evidence around living near cell phone towers and symptoms and also electrosensitivity, uh, the fact that certain people might have more symptoms than uh, than others when it comes to uh, how they react to that electropollution. For those of you who want a free bottle of masszymes, digestive enzymes, listen up. I'm going to hook you up. If you feel like you're doing all the right things, yet you're still struggling with digestive issues like gas, bloating, or cramping, Digestive Enzymes is a great first place to start. Masszymes from Bioptimizers is a 17-enzyme full-spectrum formula with five different kinds of protease, which is the enzyme that is the catalyst for the breakdown of protein. And undigested proteins can cause a lot of gut dysfunction. So while you're working on the root causes, taking digestive enzymes can help relieve symptoms. To get your free bottle of Masszymes, there is no catch to this, just go to masszymes.com forward slash wellfed free. There you'll automatically get access to a coupon code that will zero out the cost of the bottle of Masszymes and you will have to pay shipping, but that's it. Again, it's Masszymes, M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S.com forward slash wellfed free, all one word. There is a limited supply and it's limit one per household, so I would jump on it. Again, that's masszymes.com forward slash wellfed free. If you love a good serum, I have a new 30% off coupon code for you. One of the top ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptors, plasticizers like BPA and heavy metals is through cosmetic products. Conventional skincare is often loaded with endocrine disruptors and carcinogens, but products also can be high in heavy metals because they become contaminated through extraction and production. I made the switch to clean beauty five years ago after I read some alarming research that showed how harmful ingredients in skincare products can actually pass through the placenta to the baby and make it into breast milk. I tried so many different clean beauty products and by far the best effective skincare and makeup is from Beauty Counter. Their products are free of known harmful ingredients and they contain active ingredients, which means they work just as good if not better than the conventional products. They test for all contaminants like BPA and heavy metals, which is why I ultimately chose to make the switch. I absolutely love the vitamin C serum and I personally use the Countertime Tripeptide Serum every night, which has totally changed the fine lines around my eyes. Shop Beauty Counter at beautycounter.com slash noeltar. Then use the code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your order. You can also join my clean beauty list where I share promotions and sales and offer samples. That's at coconutsandkettlebells.com forward slash beauty. Again, to shop, go to beautycounter.com slash noeltar and use the coupon code CLEANFORALL30 to get 30% off your first order. I just text my husband, never ever put your phone in your pocket. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty aware of this stuff. We already turn off our Wi-Fi at night. We um, we have like an Apple TV in our house, in our bedroom. We unplug that. Like we're we're good about unplugging things, yeah. but he's at work right now. He wears a uniform and I'm like, you know, it might just he might just do it by convenience and so yeah, I just felt very compelled in that moment to text him that um cuz he's at work right now. So, you talked about the the towers, the the you know, we've got 
I, I feel like, man, I've been driving around and there are cell phone towers everywhere. There's yeah. one that just went up. You know, within 100 to 200 yards of my daughter's preschool, I, I there's one right by, you know, on the way to church. And I'm like, oof, like, so, and I, 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 it just feels like there's more and more of them. And I, you know, I, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. You try to block it out, but you, you can't, obviously you can't stop that. So what do yeah. we currently know about 5G and what are, and even 4G, you know, what, yeah. what are the real life impacts of it? Yeah, that's a the big question mark. Um, most researchers, let's say scientists, are mostly prudent about what they say about 5G. And other people, online bloggers, and I mean, I could be in that category because I'm just, I guess you could call me a citizen journalist. I don't have formal education. So you could put me in that category. But I tend to be very prudent about what I say 5G will and will not do and these kind of things. There have been so many claims made about 5G. What we do know is prior to the 5G rollout, scientists already had classified that radiation as a class 2B. And all the studies that have been done were not done on 5G radiation. They were done on 2G, 3G, a little bit on 4G. So we're very behind on studying the effects of that radiation. So the argument against 5G is, well, if we're behind on looking at the dangers of a technology like 4G that has been around for more than, what, almost 10, 15 years now, if we haven't even studied that, what are we doing rolling out a new technology in the first place? So so the prudent approach would be to put a moratorium on further expansion of the cellular networks, especially since what we have right now works very well on a, on a connectivity standpoint. Uh, so do we need 5G? Well, the industry would say, yes, you need it because it's the future, but they've engineered that demand. No one really wants it per se. And that's really why 5G is concerning is that it adds more and more antennas and closer and closer to people's homes or their living spaces or public spaces. And uh, some of these antennas are very high powered uh, with um, radiation in the higher frequencies. At least that was the plan. Now that plan is a little bit falling apart because of the the staggering costs of installing those. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen with the 5G rollout, but they've basically just rebranded 4G antennas into 5G now. And that's pretty much what's going to happen, I think. But mm. these antennas are becoming more and more sophisticated, and a lot of them are exposing, uh, increasing the, the electropollution levels in cities. So it's more of a bad thing. And that's really all I can say about 5G is uh, it's not been studied prior to the rollout, just like it was the case with 4G and prior technologies. None of it was really studied for health effects, uh, pre, pre, like pre-market studies. None of it was done the way that it needs to be done for certain pharmaceutical drugs, for example, or certain consumer products. So that's it was a big problem for all all previous uh, generations, and now for that fifth generation, that 5G network is just this, more of the same. So we should put an end to that. Engineers are already looking at 6G and possibly 7Gs. People in my networks, engineers and activists send me news about what the industry is doing and what engineers are doing, mainly in, in Europe. Oftentimes they're doing conferences and, oh, they've been looking at 6G, I think. I think the 6G conference was first in 2018 
18 or 19. So they're all already thinking about the future because, of course, investors want to look at it, engineers, uh, every tech startup out there that is wireless related wants to look at it. What's the future? What's going to be uh, on the market in 2045? They, they each want to know because they want to ride that wave. There's trillions of dollars to be made. But when do we stop? When do we put an end to that considering that it's a carcinogen? So mm -hmm. why, what are we doing when the science is stronger and stronger showing harm and at the same moment in parallel, we're increasing radiation? That's that's folly. That's that's really kind of incentivizing the population to smoke more and more and more, while the science is definitely uh, definitively proving that smoking is harmful. Which <laughs> and, did happen. Uh, which did happen, right? <laughs> right. Um, but it, it's um, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. So on an environmental toxicity standpoint, I would argue that. Electropollution is the fastest growing type of pollution worldwide. And it still is. It still is true because in developing countries, they're installing cell phone towers. Pretty much every country out there now has a cellular network, including in the middle of nowhere in Africa. Now you have uh, Starlink and other global internet projects that are doing it via satellites or, or other uh, different things that they can launch in the atmosphere around the planet. So it's really, there's no, at the moment, there's no really slowing down of that role. And we need to slow down. We need to take a pause in uh, this uh, technological development and, uh, and maybe develop a 6G that's going to be half or a quarter of the radiation with better connectivity. What if we did that? Well, First, it means that we have to recognize it was a problem in the first place, and it needs to be mandated and not just uh, either mandated by governments or I don't know if it's going to be higher than governments like the I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to regulate it worldwide. We have some organizations, but most of these organizations like ICNRP are still arguing that radiation does nothing so that it's complete madness out there. And uh, of course, the they are basically an industry front group. So when you study the science, it just doesn't make sense what, what, what these guys are saying. So I think what's going to happen is eventually the industry will self-regulate because users demand safer technologies or it will be governments or lawsuits that are going to force companies to start cleaning up their act. And it's coming, but yeah, it's it's really what's in stores for the future of technology. In the meantime, when it comes to towers, it is unfortunate because, yeah, you can turn off things in your bedroom and, and do that. And still in the scope of my work, it's my main message is this is free. Uh, you don't need to buy a uh, hundred different gadgets. I don't mm -hmm. I don't need to sell you something that costs five thousand dollars or anything like that. You can do tremendous things in your home, including uh, shielding an entire bedroom, for example. There's a lot of advanced things that can be done to block out these towers. For the average layperson, most of most people would not be 
willing to invest in that necessarily unless they're really focused on their on their health and want to take the next steps and several people that are doctors did it like Dr. Ben Lynch or uh, Dr. Dietrich Klinghardt at his clinic and I know that uh, many of my colleagues are, are are doctors in the functional medicine space and a lot of them have shielded their clinics or personal bedrooms or homes and they're very happy with it and a lot of them report feeling way better so we, we do have more and more health authorities that are jumping on board with that idea. But for the average person that's on a budget, it's not realistic to tell them to invest three, $4,000 to shield their bedroom. Mm -hmm. If they're exposed to a cell tower, the question is, how much of, of a danger does that represent for their health? And it's a big question mark. For people with that just feel that they're getting sick inside a city and they cannot pinpoint it on or, or blame it on mold or chemicals or work stress. And if they have a building biologist come to their home and they realize that they're exposed to a lot of radiation from the towers, then and especially if they go to the countryside and feel way, way, way better and they feel transformed when they go camping, it might be an education that for them, the EMF pollution has become too important inside a city. Mm-hmm. And just like someone that's severely impacted by mold or maybe chemical toxins cannot possibly live in a downtown area with smog or or a moldy home, well, maybe it's time for them to relocate. And mm-hmm. and that's an ind- individual thing. Of course, we cannot tell every single person in, in, in cities to move away. Uh, but the reality is that it's becoming increasingly difficult to thrive in uh, an urban area, and part of it is because of the towers and ambient electrosmog. Yeah, I believe it. You're you're talking about people are feeling better, you know, or feeling worse in cities, better outside of cities. What are those common symptoms of this excessive EMF exposure that people might not think is part of this, but is? Yeah, it, they're they're really vague, to be honest. That's why it's difficult to pinpoint electrosensitivity. Uh, The main ones that are found again and again in studies where you ask people, um, basically symptomology studies, and and you do epidemiology and look at uh, does will these symptoms increase the closer you get to cell phone towers? And the answer is often yes. Uh, It's basically fatigue. Uh, You have uh, insomnia, which obviously if you have insomnia, you're fatigued all the time, depression, anxiety, memory loss. And you have some people in the most extreme cases that would have uh, heart palpitations. And that's a big Uh, a big link with electrosensitivity, especially people that have pinpointed that they get heart palpitations when they get near a cell tower or near a Wi-Fi router. And that's more frequent than than you would think. And that's been confirmed also by uh, top functional medicine practitioners that are experts in cardiology, such as uh, Dr. Wolfson or uh, Dr. Stephen Sinatra, who say that uh, again and again, they find people with heart uh, palpitations or something weird is going on with the heart. And in many situations, it's related to their use of cell phones or their exposure to certain sources. And in some cases, they can pinpoint it to the fact that these men have, especially men, have a a phone in their shirt pocket right next to the Mm -hmm. heart. When they remove the phone, the problem goes away. 
So are they really sick <laughs> or is it just that they're overexposed? And in their their case, well, while maybe the next person wouldn't feel it, in their case, unfortunately, they, they are at the symptomology threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have other, uh, other things like headaches, uh, uh, hearing loss or tinnitus also in certain studies are, are linked with cell phone use or electrosensitivity. So there's a lot of different symptoms that, that might happen. And the reason is simple. It can impact any cell in your body. Any mitochondria can be impacted. And it's really in the form of uh, excessive oxidative damage that is happening over time. And what matters is not that one exposure. It is overall cumulative exposure to that radiation. So this is really why it matters if you turn off your own sources and start using your phone or those wireless Bluetooth uh, uh, earbuds that you you were using, you're doing good by not using them. Even Mm -hmm. if you did use them in the past, well, that's done. Now you can choose to do better and reduce your exposure. And if people are listening to this on their AirPods and freaking out, well, it really matters how much you use them. So maybe you're going to choose to, okay, well, when I'm on the subway, I'll still use them because I find them convenient. And that's your personal decision with your personal risk, but maybe when you're at your desktop computers, buy the wired versions because you're not moving around and you don't need that convenience. So try to cut down on your overall cumulative exposure, just like you do with your exposure to junk food. Uh, I'm not here to play the blame game and say, oh, you're a bad person because you ate at Wendy's, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't I don't mind for it if you have it occasionally or or have it as much as you as you think is healthy for you. But uh, so it's really your exposure to that junk food, cumulative overall exposure that matters. And the same is true for electropollution, uh, although it's a little bit harder to quantify. And we, we try to quantify as much as we can using EMF meters and things like that. But just think think in terms of how many hours you spend on certain things that emit radiation and how close are these to your body. Mm. What is, before we jump into solutions, because we've talked a lot about problems, what um, what is the problem with using cell phones in the car? Because I've read some things about yeah. this, about rolling down your windows, and it's not it doesn't quite make sense to me, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, rolling down the windows. Uh, it, it might it might do something. I'm I'm wondering how it will impact the signal. But one of the problem in the car is that um, if you hit low connectivity zones, uh, if you're very far from a tower, which happens. Well, it, it happens when you switch from one tower to another or when you go in a tunnel, for example, or in a low connectivity area, your phone will ramp up the radiation it emits in order to uh, basically it increases the wattage that it uses in order to connect, let's say, harder to the tower. Mm-hmm. And it works. But the problem is it can increase the radiation up to 10,000 fold. Uh, so that's quite an increase in risk. And you don't you don't initially want to do that, especially if you use it near the head. So I would I would prefer having people put the phone further from their body and use the Bluetooth system if they really want to use the phone in the car. There are other possibilities, including the old school antennas on top of the car that uh, is still a possibility. And there are some building biologists that have good information around that. But mainly not using a phone in the car at all is preferable. You're you're in a in an enclosed space that is made out of metal. So there's some 
signal bouncing around also. So there's multiple reasons why you don't want to do that. I, I would also say, because I rent a lot of cars, I'm not a car owner, but I rent them to go to my relatives or to go to different trips. And uh, a lot of car mo models have a Bluetooth function in it that will keep emitting radiation, even if you have no intention of using Bluetooth. So you have to go in the car uh, computer menu and find Bluetooth, and sometimes it can be turned off. So just turn off these antennas. Sometimes there's a hotspot in there, like a 4G LTE hotspot that you can turn off. And in some other models, you cannot turn it off. So you just forget about it and not be stressed about it because you cannot control it, right? Mm -hmm. So in, uh, I normally at the uh, Avis uh, manufacturer, I ask the clerk, do you have a car where there's no hotspot? And they kind of, now they know me, they don't find <laughs> me as uh, weird or annoying, but for most people, it would be like a weird demand to have. Oh, I don't want the latest version of that hotspot. <laughs> right. Normally, people kind of ask the opposite. Like, I want the best connectivity and I want all the gadgets and the full equipped car, sports car. But no, I want the opposite. I want the dumber, the dumber technology. <laughs> the stupid uh, technology, so, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's really why you don't initially want to use it in a car. And what you can do, and that's something I've shared on my YouTube channel uh, several years ago, and that's still very valid is uh, if you use the GPS function on any phone, you can input your destination, let uh, Google Maps or whatever, uh, whatever program or app you're using uh, for maps to do its job and find the path. And then you click start to track your progress and you put it on airplane mode because the GPS chip can still function fine and, uh, and identify where you're going, even though you're not on the cellular network. Mm -hmm. So what it's going to do, of course, it, it won't tell you if there are traffic jams or updates and these kind of things. So you got to be just cognizant of that fact. But if you're okay with it and you're going to, normally I, I can open it if I'm entering the city or entering a traffic jam and I'm like, oh my God, do I need to take an alternative route? I will open up 4G and then it's going to give me some update and then I put it back on airplane mode. So right there, you might be uh, in a car with your kids for several hours and you can cut down exposure 99%. And of course, if you do want uh, podcasts or music, you can pre-download that content on mm -hmm. Spotify or or different apps or uh, just the, the podcast apps allow you to download that content, which I would recommend prior to a trip, whether it's a car trip or uh, an airplane trip or or anything. You, you go around the city listening to a podcast, most people make the mistake of streaming uh, especially since a lot of people are on unlimited or very permissive data plans these days. But streaming audio, but especially video, is a very uh, radiation-intensive activity. So just to reduce your exposure, just when you're home, you, you put your phone in a corner, you pre-download your content. If you pre-download it on an Ethernet cable, that's a bonus point for you. And then you have it inside your phone and you keep your phone offline and just use it as a computer, as an offline computer, and it still works fine. You can do most things without having to irradiate yourself or connect to the internet. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to this episode. <laughs> <In> all <laughs> the episodes, I'm gonna go back and actually re-listen to and take notes because 
that, I mean, these are little things that so many of us don't really think about, but can actually add up and make a huge difference, especially over the course of your lifetime, which is, I think, the biggest concern here. It's not just that initial once like exposure. It's all of these exposures adding up over decades. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about to, we'll, we'll, I want to ask a question at the end about solar panels because we got some some questions about that. Sure. But what what about these Bluetooth? Well, not Bluetooth, but like the the Wi-Fi blocking and the EMF blocking devices. So obviously yeah. we, there are laptop pads, there are cases that you can put your phone in, there are harmonizing stickers. Yeah. Do those actually work? And and should we be using them? Yeah, that's a huge topic. <laughs> uh, it's probably four hours of discussion right there. But uh, the four-minute version is this. There are some companies that do blocking products that that work. For me, these are not, um, let's say blocking product, what do I mean? I mean, uh, let's say a phone case. Some phone cases do work and they will deflect the radiation uh, off of your body if you use it the right way and you really got to look at how they're supposed to be used. And But to me, this is not a replacement to uh, turning off your phone or putting it on airplane mode if you carry it around because they're not perfect, right? They deflect the radiation a little bit, but if you use it at a, at a weird angle, it might still impact you a little bit. So don't fall into thinking that if you use something, oh, I bought this product and now I don't have to think about it anymore and I'm completely protected. I think that's really the main problem with these products is if you fall under the impression that... Uh, from now on, I'm completely protected and everything is uh, is jolly. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, you're more protected and you're doing good. But just stay aware that you should minimize time of use, create distance. And it does not it's, it should not encourage you to keep a phone in your pocket. One brand that I recommend these days is called Shield Your Body. Uh, from R blank and the the reason I'm using it is uh, great design and the f the fact that R blank is uh, uh, is is also the co-author of a book on EMFs that was very influential along with his uh, with the late uh, Dr. Martin Blank his father who unfortunately passed away was one of the most important EMF scientists uh, in the world uh, from Columbia University and uh, R blank his son is working on EMF blocking products now so he has this scientific background computer engineering and computer scientist background if I recall correctly and um, I, I trust him for these products when it comes to the chips the pendants pyramids crystals subtle energy devices these are completely in a, another uh, category of products and some people that are electrosensitive report feeling better when installing one or another of these products but the scientific community is not endorsing them um, and I, I cannot speak for every scientist out there but I can tell you that the hundreds of independent scientists that are working on the topic of EMF radiation and its health effects are not uh, are not happy to retire because now the entire topic has been solved. You just install a sticker on your phone and now it's safe. No one says that. Who says that is the manufacturers of these gizmos. So I have a problem with how these things are marketed. Uh, and at the same time in parallel, I must agree that some electrosensitive individual, especially those that are extremely 
sensitive to all all forms of electropollution seem to do better, to fare better when they wear certain uh, devices, including I've seen some pendants work. I've, I've seen some, uh, some gizmos you install on your phone and it looks like the phone has uh, milder effects on the electrosensitivity, if you can put it that way. And I don't know the exact mechanisms. Some claim that it will... Uh, harmonize the signals while not um, eliminating it completely. So it's not something you can measure that effect. And that's one of the problems that many scientists have with it. Uh, how do we quantify EMF protection that is, let's say, a norm- harmonization of the signal? And so far, I'm still working on it, have been for six years since I wrote my book uh, and I first started studying the topic. And now I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I, I've, been, I've contacted many scientists in my circles to try to tackle that topic. And because I see that it's really the far West on the internet, uh, and, uh, the entire space is unregulated, which is unfortunate. It, it, it can be a mix of very good products with legit marketing and very horrible products that are downright scams. And, I, I can't even tell the difference with my years of experience. So that's, I, some products seem more legit than others. And I, I did talk about some products on my podcast and here and there, but in a very prudent manner. But overall, what I tell people these days is this. If you use a gizmo, a sticker or a pendant that says EMF protection, it's not a reason to keep yourself exposed to your phone or or to do any of that. If you understand that this is an extra layer of protection or might it be physical or psychological protection, then at least you know that it's used in a context where it, it will not replace everything we talked about in this interview because there's not the the 100% certainty that you're protected and by protected i would mean uh or I, I would i would think what the manufacturers mean that you will not get a brain cancer but mm-hmm. i can that, that's the thing they cannot prove that they cannot prove that it's a complete protection and some people unfortunately consumers that buy something random off of amazon that is a gizmo and with a lot of buzzwords, scalar energies and pyramids, they buy something like that and then they stick it on the phone and then they keep using their phone all day, every day. And are, are they impacted by EMFs? Uh, I don't know. But if they are, then uh, there's liability for the manufacturer and that person might even uh, have impact on their fertility or who knows, a brain tumor, even though they thought they were protected. So mm-hmm. I cannot with good conscience recommend this product category or let's say I cannot endorse them but if you use them and you feel better well that's keep using them by all mm-hmm. means but it's not the main things that I'm uh, the main solutions that I'm looking at that I'm communicating in the scope of my work is uh, taking personal responsibility with your devices, creating distance, reducing time of use, then using maybe the blocking cases and things like that in certain situations. And then there's the harmonizers and solar energy devices, or even, I mean, even antioxidants. Like if you're taking glutathione or vitamin C and zinc and eating broccoli sprouts, are you protected from your phone? Well, it would probably help 
because you're you're oxidizing yourself and and having uh this this excessive oxidative damage from the phone and then you're taking antioxidants and optimizing your health but would you still get benefits to not use your phone as much? Of course, yes. Of course, you should minimize the amount of stress you're getting from your technology. So mm-hmm. it's not either or. It's not a black or white situation. And I just find it very concerning that the marketing around some of these devices is what I perceive to be uh, a lot of hype. And some of them is downright uh, irresponsible. Mm. You know, the first brand, I think I've heard that you speak positively about them. The first brand I ever bought from was Defender Shield. Have you, do you know them? Yeah, Defender okay. Shield is a very good brand on the market. Uh, and I've, I've heard good, good things about them. Yeah. Yeah. I, there wasn't, there wasn't much around when they, when they were out. And that was really the only, the only like laptop, you know, thing that I could find. And now, you know, I used it so much I had to buy a new one. Now I buy them from Blue Blocks. But like yep. back, back in the day, it was just, it, it there was not much. And now the sun it's kind of exploded on the market. That's so. true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, Blue Blocks is another, another brand that I, I know the CEO personally, Andy, and uh, they are good. They have some EMF protection products. They're also specialized in uh, low blue light solutions, including mm-hmm. light bulbs. Their products are very good. Uh, I use their uh, blue blockers. And we mm-hmm. didn't talk talk about these, but if we talk about the artificial light, of course, blue blocking glasses, I think they have their place. Certainly, even if you have uh, good lighting around your home that is amber or red. Uh, maybe you're exposed by the street lamps like I am that are very mm-hmm. bright at night. And, uh, or look, just look at a TV. It's so bright. These new displays are, it, they, they say, oh my God, it's going to blow your mind, blow your eyes. Right? Really, <laughs> yeah. they, they're so bright. So if you use blue blockers uh, when you watch um, a show uh, or TV show or just look at it as screens at night, that's like a very good idea too. And that's a, an EMF blocking product if you think about it this way because artificial light also falls under the classification of an artificial emf Hmm. okay the last question i got quite a few questions about this from the community is is solar power high emf and is are are they safe because i've heard some people talk about don't put them on top of your house and other people saying oh they're totally safe totally fine yeah um well i i wouldn't i wouldn't completely disregard the technology on an EMF standpoint and say that it's too dangerous to use. But I would say that um, some people have installed solar and then uh, feel like their health or sleep quality is impacted. And the main reason is the amount of dirty electricity. And as a reminder, that's the, the fact that your entire electricity in your home will have these these high frequency voltage spikes on it. So imagine it's like saying uh, your water quality is impacted by something that is tainting your water. Now it's tainting your electricity. So the electricity is even more stressful to your body inside your entire home just by the fact that this uh, solar panel installation is using uh, power inverters that is... uh, 
basically providing those solar panels with the right type of electricity and then also converting solar energy into the electricity that will actually be used by everything that's plugged into your home, uh, your your appliances and your iPhone charger and your light bulbs and whatnot. So the problem is the inverter. And in building biology, they tend to recommend uh, a brand called uh, Sunny Boy, or that's a that's a product from, I can try to find it, uh, but the Sunny Boy inverters are generally uh, cleaner hmm. than, uh, than other brands. But really what I would say is if, if personally I had to, uh, to install solar at home, I would use uh, a building biologist or EMF mitigation specialist and do a home survey and have them uh, take readings. You can uh, have special EMF meters that read dirty electricity and they could help you uh, have a cleaner install at home. Uh, that's an extra cost though. So you, you just have to take it, um, let's say, include those costs in your project of turning your home into solar. Uh, and I know that a lot of Americans in particular have been thinking about solar. I cannot recall the statistics. It might be 40% or more of households that are thinking about solar panels. So mm. it will become something that will be installed everywhere within a few decades. So we need to think about, yes, how green it can be, uh, good for the planet, good maybe good for uh, your family because you reduce costs of uh, using, I don't know, like the, the dirty electricity that comes from uh, coal plants and things like that. Instead, solar, that's a good idea. But at the same time, it should not be at the expense of your health, of course. And uh, the Sunny Boy, the Sunny Boy uh, model is from SMA, SMA America. Uh, is the company I just found it. So uh, if it's not a sunny boy, it can be another type of inverter, but it is a, a very technical topic where I'm not an expert in this inverters mm -hmm. or solar panels installs, but the building biologists uh, or EMF mitigation specialists are very aware of these brands and of these problems. And the main thing I would recommend is to hire one or do a phone consult with, with one. And there's plenty of them. If you type building biology or building biologist and then your city, in most cities in the US, in Canada, and even in most European countries, even in some parts of Asia, you would find a building biologist. Uh, and a lot of them could do Skype consults where you explain, okay, well, I have this solar installs, how many panels and this inverter, and what do you recommend? And in some cases, you have uh, certain uh, devices that can be installed at your at your breaker panel that can filter out the dirty electricity that is created by your inverter and sometimes it can make it perfectly safe uh but yeah it is it is a concern just for that reason really i would say uh if uh, normally if you install them on your roof uh it shouldn't be a problem if you have someone that has a bedroom underneath uh, underneath uh the solar panels, except in some minor situations. But if you hire a building biologist or even just have a consult with one, uh, you could tell them that, for example, if you have a bedroom in the attic or something very, very close, a pillow very close to the solar panels, let's say within within an arm's length on the roof, you, you would have your bed in that side of, of the home. I would 
let's say, have a concern when it comes to magnetic fields, but just just hire the right professional. But if you ask uh, the, if you ask the installer of solar panels, they will tell you there's no danger. If you ask the electrical company, they will tell you there's no danger. If you ask the average electrician, they would look at you as if you're an extraterrestrial. So <laughs> rely on the right professional who actually know EMS and not on the rest. And you will get weird stares because a lot of people, you would tell them high high uh, frequency voltage transients, uh, most people would not even know what that is and dirty electricity even less. So some of them would laugh laugh at you or discount uh, your, 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 your worries. So it, it is true that um, some electricians are aware of that problem and some of them completely disregarded. So just be ready to hire the right professional and then hold your ground and uh, you will have the right uh, the right advice from them. And maybe your install will be a little bit more expensive. But I know that some installs of solar panels are in the tens of thousands. So adding one, two, three thousand dollars, sometimes it might mean you, you have to save a little bit more money or just have a different project. But in my mind, when it comes to EMFs, I would not take a chance and would definitely hire the right professional before doing the install. Or if you have an install right now, uh, it, it's it's still time and you could replace your inverter or just install these solutions after the fact. And it might it might make your, your home a safer place to live in. Hmm. In your book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs, everybody go get this. This is like, this is like a handbook um, that can answer so many of your questions. Do you talk about baby monitors in there? I do. I do talk about it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, baby monitors are a little bit tricky. For sure, put it as far away from your child as possible. Just right. like you wouldn't put a phone right next to them. Mm -hmm. The baby monitors can be quite strong. And that's where most of the technology is heading towards stronger and stronger. Uh, because again, everyone in the industry is under the impression or most people are under, under the impression that there's no harm or else no one would be okay with it, right? Don't get right. me wrong. The people working in tech uh, don't mean harm to your children. It's not like that. Uh, most people are just in disbelief when you tell them about potential harms and things like that. So I, I did use a baby monitor. Yeah, I, I am the EMF guy and I did use one. <laughs> I did fight with my wife a little a bit or let's say argue against it then i realized okay well you gotta pick your battles and we did use it really rarely when my son was a bit younger we used it maybe 15 times but it was 15 feet from his head something mm -hmm. like that and we tested it and it still worked great most of these monitors now work at several feet you could put it at the other side of the room even a different room might even work if the if the child is really crying you will hear it mm -hmm. and if you don't need to use it don't use it and if you really you want to use it and and you're you want to use it, you want to see your child on a camera or something like that, then install a wired camera. And there are solutions. You can hire an IT company to have an Ethernet uh, cable set up on a wired camera for your 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 child's uh, your your child's room. So there are possibilities that are wired. And that's not a lot of parents think about it. They don't they, they think at, of these technologies that are wired as a little bit retrograde, but no, it still exists. And in fact, the 
let's say the most, the safest technologies on an EMF standpoint and on a security standpoint are still the wired stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's not as hackable and things like that. So anyways, it's, it's kind of uh, ironic that uh, now a lot of uh, companies will be moving towards more wired and not more wireless, especially because of security concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we could talk about just that that part alone for days and days. But just a fun anecdote was that the a Vegas casino uh, a few years ago was hacked. I don't know how, how much money oh, they got stolen because the hackers found an exploit in the Bluetooth sensors that was put in the aquarium, uh, in, in an aquarium in the casino. So oh it tells you that, and, and, and one of my friends is, is very advanced in internet security. He's, he's an expert at that. And in fact, companies hire him to try to hack their systems. So basically he finds exploits and then they fix them. Uh, and he, he told me about that story and other stories. And he says, yeah, basically everything nowadays is easily hackable. So if you have a lot of cameras in your home and I don't know, I don't know what could happen, but especially if you're famous and listening to this, well, maybe you want to look at the wired solutions Mm -hmm. and not to have people randomly, I don't know, spying on you. It's not, I'm not paranoid about these things, but it's just, it's a reality that Mm -hmm. it is very uh, hackable and the internet security at the moment is really, really uh, out of control, uh, yeah. unfortunately. So that's just another reason to go the wired route. And especially if you you own the home and you want to make it safer on all levels, uh, wired is still the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, gosh, I there was some story going around right when I had my first kid about the some baby monitor had been hacked and was this guy was talking to the baby through the and I was just like. Oh, my God. No. So my husband wanted to get, you know, a monitor that could ease. Oh, it's so easy. Let's have it connect to our phones. And I was like, absolutely not. We are getting an archaic old school one that just you put a monitor and it just communicates to like a device has no connectivity to our phone. Like, yeah, absolutely not. Um, So we you know, it was hard. It's hard to find one. If you look for low EMF baby monitors five years ago, you you couldn't find anything. And I'm sure maybe now it's changed. But I'm glad that you've you've included that in your book. Everybody go get the non-tinfoil guide to EMFs, how to fix our stupid use of technology. <laughs> um, the EMFguide.com is uh, Nick's website. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Anything? I know your um, podcast is Smarter Tech and you got some yep. stuff coming out there. Anything else that you're working on that um, we need to know about? Uh Yeah, well, since my book, I really wanted to create a solution that is uh, easier to implement uh, how and basically created a course, an entire course on how to clean up EMFs in your home. And I did include uh, an entire module on artificial light. And that's in collaboration with one of the top EMF mitigation specialists in North America, Brian Hoyer. And it's called Electropollution Fix, uh, electropollutionfix.com. So that's the let's say the more a little bit more advanced and practical version of the book uh, if you want to apply all the information you learn inside electropollutionfix.com is that what you said 
Yes. Okay. I will link to that in the show notes too. Thank you so much, Nicholas, for spending so much time and going through literally everything about EMFs. Um, for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Again, everything that we talked about in today's episode will be in the show notes. You can find more from Nick at theemfguy.com. And again, his book is The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs. Thanks so much for being here. We will talk to you next week.